This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. Following Reggie's discussion of ritual in the last two episodes, we listened to a talk he offered on a chant to Ritro Gompo, a wrathful protector of our integrity on the spiritual journey. This talk was given at the 2006 Advanced Meditating with the Body Retreat, held in Crestone, Colorado. To find out about upcoming Meditating with the Body Retreats, please visit dharmaocean.org. Emptiness is not nothing. Emptiness is actually inseparable from awareness. Space is inseparable from awareness. And awareness has a tremendous energy in it. And I was saying, not only do we long for the source, but the source longs for us. And the awareness itself contains within it a compassionate intention towards sentient beings. Now again, this is not a a theological statement, it's a, a statement of just experience. Out of our unborn mind, out of the space of Dharmakaya, when you sit and you really let go completely into that space, What comes, what arises with a tremendous ferocity is compassion for sentient beings and desire to engage and desire to help. The Buddha, after he achieved enlightenment, you know, it's a a kind of a long, dramatic story, but basically he sat in the space of Dharmakaya and out of that space in a very spontaneous way, the energy of compassion to help all beings arose. There's a, a Theravadan saint named Acharn Mun who died, I think, in 1949. He was a forest saint. He spent his life in the jungles of northeast Thailand. And in his story, the night he achieved enlightenment, his mind opened and there was no more desire to exist anymore. And for several days, he just was in that state, open and free and completely non-dual, no sense of other. Just, he was, he wasn't, he was gone. But he says after a few days, the, he thought, you know, his thing was, well, I'll just spend the rest of my life here. I won't eat, I'll just be here until I die. But after a couple of days, the energy of compassion arose out of him in a very powerful way. And he spent the rest of his life basically traveling around and trying to help people until he was 80, living in the jungles and teaching people and teaching lay people and helping sick people and advising government people. and The energy of awareness arises as compassion. And one of the ways it arises is out of our own state of being as our compassion or compassion that it comes through us. But another way it arises is in what happens, what we call the unseen world or if you want to call the world of visions and dreams, that the energy of awareness comes towards us with 
tremendous energy. And dreams are a great example. You, you know, dreams, a lot of dreams are, you know, don't communicate this, but there are certain dreams in our life where reality itself takes a certain shape. Isn't that true? In the form of people or teachers or, you know, someone that we dream about. And through that image, there comes information and help and protection and warning and love and acceptance and encouragement, all of these things that we need. So awareness itself gives birth to images, to dreams, and also to visions. And one of the domains of the visionary world is what is called the protectors. And in the history of Buddhism and other traditions have very similar kinds of things, we see visions and we are met by presences that are not material. They come from the, we could say, the other world, the world, the unseen world, and they arrive in our world. And we see, we know that they're not real people. I mean, they can come through people, but basically we know that energy often is, it's not, a, it's not material, it's not an ordinary thing, it's coming from this other place. And that's who, Richard Gunpo is one of these uh, protectors. And he's very, very um, shocking and unusual because as I was saying this morning, if you read where most protectors come from, it comes from the conversion of a local deity to the Dharma. But Richard Gunpo, he basically, from before we even saw the house that we ended up buying, we were just driving up the road, there was this call from the mountain. And it's the mountain that was formerly known as Kit Carson. Now it's, it's Richard Gunpo, and forever shall be. <laughs> but when we were, we arrived in Crestone, you know, the whole story, and we went, for some reason we started looking for houses, which is odd because when we came down we were just coming to see, trying to find a retreat land. But somehow we were like looking for a house to live in. It was weird. And we're driving up the road to look at this one particular house, the first house, and I saw the mountain and I said, we'll take it. Meaning that I don't know what house is under that mountain, but whichever one it is, that's the one. And of course, you know, that is the house that we ended up in. But that call came, and I've, during, you might remember in, um, in the April program, uh, when those of you who were here, you know, for the advanced program or March or whenever it was last year, you know, 2004 people, I kept leaving during lunch and I'd be gone for like three hours while I was up there getting information. And the thing that was quite shocking to me was that I do this practice called Vajrakilia, which I've been doing for many years, and it's, it's, a, uh, it's a wrathful Nyingma practice. I noticed, I, don't, I didn't know why I was hiking up there, I just had to go, and I noticed that every time I would go up there, the same exact thing. The minute I went over the, lip, over the lip, there's a lip you go over and then there's this big valley and then there's the mountain there. Every time I went over the lip, my mind changed as if I'd just done two hours of vajrakilaya practice. And um, it took me a, a, a few times to figure that out and I thought, hmm, this is really weird. I mean, what the heck is going on? And then one day um, I went up there and the minute I came over the, the lip, it was like I was hit with this wave of energy. And, you know, this thing here where it says in the Dharmakaya, you are the fierce energy of awareness, sweeping down, tearing through. 
our arrogance and self-deception laying bare the natural statement. That's what happened that day. And I realized, I don't know who's up there, but it's one of the enlightened ones. And then later I actually saw him many times, and he has this iconography. And his message was, there's something very important that needs to happen in Crestone with you and the people you're working with. And I'm te- listen, I know it sounds arrogant and self-serving, but I'm just reporting what he said, okay? I'll be dead in a couple of years. And his thing was, you're doing this for the future, and your students are helping you, and I am here to make sure this happens, and I'm going to protect it. And you are going to give birth to the practice lineage, and it's going to be different from what's happening elsewhere. It's going to be the you know, lineage of Chogyam Trungpa, that the hidden lineage, the lineage that he gave in the very early days, that was kind of covered over later. I'm going to protect the situation, and by the way, if you can't get with a program, we'll take you out and somebody else will do it. <laughs> so it wasn't like, you know, I'm a great guy. He's saying, I'm a protector and I'm protecting the Dharma, and this is going to happen. And so on retreat last summer, I knew, I knew that we had to have a chant because I knew we had to maintain a connection with him. So I wrote this chant and then, you know, I changed it a little bit afterwards. I put in the iconography, you know, after I had a better idea of what he actually looked like. So that's it. And I, I'm just, I'm just reporting what happened. It's that straightforward. And I'm, I'm, what I was saying this morning about you empty yourself of all the religious stuff, but then it comes back. I mean, I was talking about myself. You know, because my journey has been learning Tibetan Buddhism, practicing, and then, you know, realizing that I have to live in a much more naked way and being prepared to actually let everything go. But then finding that the more I let go, the more certain things come back in a very powerful way. And he, he's very helpful. And I'm just, you know, we're going to do this today. And, you know, I know it sounds like Roman Catholicism or whatever, that everything that you don't like. But I tell you that he's very helpful. And there, some of my students who have been extremely skeptical have run into him. And they are no longer skeptical. And actually, they're very embarrassed that they thought it was just, I was just making this up, including, well, I, I won't name anybody, but uh, it's just amusing to me, you know, that uh, Ritra Gunpo is on the job, and he's kind of working with people, and he doesn't care what, what you think. And I invite you, you know, we all need the protection of the energy of awareness. Really, when we do protector chance, we're inviting the energy of awareness to manifest itself, make itself known to us, and to lead us back to the source. It's, it's not good enough just to know the source. We need a transition point. So this is what the Dharma is, this is what meditation is, this is what the protectors are. It's the energy of awareness coming to meet us, and then lead us home. So Ritra Gunpo is an example of that. And he's not really a person, he's not a being. I don't think he really thinks about things. You know, it's not like that, it's not a theistic thing. But it's the way in which awareness shows itself to us and communicates to us. So it's non-theistic. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's appearance, and it communicates fully in the appearance, and then it's gone. It's not like a deity sitting up there, even though I know I talk that way, but it's not really like that. So, you know, when we're saying protect the integrity of the practicing lineage, those who would disrupt and harm this Dharma realization, 
from, from a certain point of view, we're really talking about th that aspect of ourselves, which wants to just kind of wall out the Dharma and use the teachings for our own personal purposes. And we're asking the protectors to eat up that part of ourselves, to devour that ego part. And, you know, as I've been saying, that a lot of the things that we go through on the path, a lot of the, especially the horrific things that we go through, are very much the activity of the protectors, keeping the purity of the Dharma in our own hearts true and genuine and immaculate. And we can, we can regard, you know, even the most painful and disturbing things that happen as the, their activity and keeping us, bringing us back to ourselves at a deeper level. I mean, don't you find that really horrific things happen and you come through them, you, you're just more yourself somehow. Don't you find that? And that's them. That's, that's their energy. And what we're doing, of course, that energy goes on anyway in human life. And what we're doing is we're actually, in a way, naming it and inviting it. I mean, all people go through these things, but we're affirming the process and affirming the outcome and saying, yes, I'm more naked, and that is actually what I'm looking for. And, you know, thank you for helping To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.